0: Hello everyone, my name is Illumide,
1: And my name is Christy.
0: And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast.
1: I read this series of novels. I don't know if anyone, throwback, the left, left behind, behind,
0: behind novels. Yes! So, Christy. What have you been up to since the last episode?
1: In the latest bit of white people nonsense in my life, uh, I took my dog to daycare for the first time. When I tell you, I hate people. I, I just... And I I hate... I'm one of these people. I'm including myself. So usually we have a woman in our building who dog sits our dog, but she wasn't available. We're going to be gone this weekend. And I was like, whatever. I'll just find a dog boarding place. DC has a million dog boarding places, but they are all as bougie as you would imagine. And also like completely booked for the summer. It's like those preschools for kids in bougie areas where you have to like be on a wait list for preschool. It was like, oh, well you have to go to a daycare orientation if you want to board here. And we don't have any more appointments for that until after Labor Day, so too bad.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, you need an interview appointment? Do you take your dog to the interview appointment for you to even book?
1: Yes, yes. I'm so serious. (laughs) I'm so serious. It was like starting to get really close and we were like, we have nothing to do with this dog. We're about to be gone for a weekend. Like, "Ah." (laughs) we finally got in with a place. I had to like channel my inner boomer and just call them and be like, please help me. <laughs> so they fit oh, us in. They were like, well, you're lucky because someone just canceled their orientation appointment. So literally his orientation was on a Thursday and we were gonna start boarding him on a Friday. and you can fail the orientation by the way. like if he doesn't play nice enough with the other dogs.
0: Are you serious?
1: Which I wasn't worried about because I mean Beaker that makes sense. Is...
0: Honestly that makes sense.
1: It does. it does. but like Beaker's like the sweetest, he loves other dogs and I was still like, what if he fails? What if they don't like him? What if they don't let him in the daycare?
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Your child is not making it in the (laughs) preferred school.
1: It really was. It was so... It's, like, such a weird feeling, and I had to, like, bring all his stuff, and he went to daycare, and he had, like, a little cubby, and I, like, got to watch him go in the room with all the other dogs. They had, like, a double-pane glass and like, watching him with the other dogs. It was just... It's a weird experience. And then I was, like, all day, I was like, oh... I hope he's doing okay at daycare, like.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, Oh,
0: that's so sweet. It was cute, actually. I love the fact that this exists, and I love the fact that they actually do, you know, the bougie-ass places. They'll check if your dog plays nice, because I feel like if you bring a dog that's an asshole, that's ruining the vibe for all the other, so like, I get that, I get yeah. that. What I think is just stressful and annoying is how uppity the whole thing is. We require you to show Mm -hmm. up for an interview before we let your dog board with us. And we don't have any spots for you to interview.
1: I know. (laughs) It's so unnecessary. (laughs) It's just, it's so funny. Like, I'm actually glad it's all, like, bougie and nice. It just makes me laugh. Like, the place he's boarding, they do bedroom boarding. So instead of sleeping in stalls, they have an employee spend the night in a bed and all the dogs stay in the bedroom with them
0: i love this first of all i think it's pretentious as fuck pretentious all the way pretentious but i I like this idea i like because i feel like i would if i had if i had a pet i would feel very comfortable leaving my pet in these kind of places because i know that they're they're doing the most Mm -hmm. (laughs) the most i know my i know my, my pet will be fine if i do this but it's still very much the most
1: it is i love it I'm here for it. It's white, It's the kind of white people nonsense that I'm like, part of me hates it, but part of me is here for it. I'm glad my yeah. dog's at bougie daycare boarding.
0: And that's that on that. Honestly though, I talk a lot of shit, but like, okay, I don't have a pet. If I did get a pet, or even, let's talk about children for a second. If I got a child, first of all, I went to public school. That's very evident <laughs> in the way I read. It's very clear. Nobody's ever gonna <laughs> accuse me of never having gone to public school. <laughs> it's never gonna be a thing. But, If I have kids, I would want to send them to a a bougie-ass private school. Mm -hmm. Not because I want my kids to turn out to be like spoiled, bougie brats, but only because I went to public school. I know what that's like. Yep, I do think the social aspect in public school is more well-rounded. Like mm-hmm. you're interacting with kids from very different backgrounds, cultures, even more so than you would in a bourgeois private school where even if everybody's from different backgrounds, everybody's rich as fuck. So, <laughs> you don't know how to be, you know what I mean? You don't know how everybody else is living their lives. But in terms of the actual quality education, private school. Somebody who I find attractive who I've been stalking on Twitter for forever and ever and ever, I finally just got a chance to just go read through their tweets as opposed to just clicking all the thirst traps. Mm. <laughs> and I saw them use the possessive pronoun, your, Y-O-U-R, instead of the contraction, Y-O-U apostrophe, R-E. Oh no! <laughs> and I lost just a little bit of respect for that person. Just a little bit of respect. Yep. And if I'm being fair, it's not their fault. Because in Mm. public school, nobody puts emphasis on actual grammar rules. Yeah. And all the stuff that people learn in public school is pretty much them trying to, in terms of the grammar rules, written grammar rules and stuff like that. It's just words that they hear spoken around them. Mm. And they actually haven't been taught how to write it properly. And they go try to translate what they hear all the time to writing it. And because your and your sound exactly the same. Right. And now that we're on this topic, I know this is still the bandage, and I'm just ruining <laughs> time here. You have to think about the intention of what you're using. Your, Y-O-U-R, is possessive. It means the person you are speaking to in second person owns whatever it is you're talking about. If it's your, as in you are, it's a contraction. You are. It's not possessive. So if you're going to talk about what someone else is there has to be an apostrophe because it's two different words it's y-o-u is the first word and the next word is a-r-e but there's an apostrophe to put it together and say your so if you didn't know that before now now you do i better not catch you anywhere in written form making that mistake ever again you raggedy bitch however (laughs) this person is still very attractive and even though i've lost a little bit of respect for them i have zero for myself so i still find them attractive is what i'm trying to say even though they can't spell (laughs) <laughs> they have shitty grammar, but anyway, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, my kids, private school, private school, private school. I need them to instinctively know why are is not why you apostrophe r e. I need them to know it apostrophe s is not i t s because there is a different and that one is a little tricky. But stuff like that, mm-hmm. they just teach you that stuff in private school and make sure you fundamentally get it. And I'm too lazy to teach my own kids this stuff, so <laughs> someone else is getting paid to do it. Private school. <laughs> anyway, now that I've exposed myself as an elitist, what else have you been up to? <laughs>
1: I mean, (laughs) I started out exposing myself, talking about the bougie daycare I just took my dog to. (laughs) I have consumed like zero pop culture anything because I've been... Once again, going through it, but I had a brief reprieve (laughs) from going through it when I ignored everything at work for my mom to visit.
0: Hey, how was that?
1: It was lovely. My mom, mom, if you're listening to this, this is not a read, but you're not a city person (laughs) so much. (laughs) Uh. <laughs> She's.
0: First of all, shout out to your mom. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I was. Uh, we had a, a little get together, virtual get together for one of our really good friends. Oh, shout out to right. that really good friend. And I saw your mom on that. I was really happy to see her. So shout out to your mom.
1: Yes, yes. My mom came to our friends. We didn't even address this that we went to another trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about another that. trivia, oh. which was technically not Pride trivia, but it was an engagement party for a gay couple. Which I feel like counts as Pride Trivia.
0: It's Pride Trivia. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so my mom came to Pride Trivia.
0: I loved it, though. I loved it. That was Yeah, I enjoyed that. Not so much because of the trivia, but because some of my favorite people were on that call. So that was great. That was great. I liked that.
1: It was great. Although we did get called out. The The trivia team was literally me, Day, and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and we got called out because we hadn't we hadn't watched the most recent season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh my god! Oh, that was the most recent. Oh shit, you're right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep.
0: I thought it was two ago, but carry on.
1: But also, my mom, oh bless her, she was so enthusiastic. Like the first question, literally the first question, she jumps in. It's like, what's the longest river in the world? And my mom jumps on. And she's like, it's the Euphrates. I'm like, I don't even know. Where. <laughs> I went to public school. I don't know where the Euphrates River is. I feel like it's, you know, the Nile or the Amazon or (laughs) the Mississippi. You and I both were like, well, well, folks, the Euphrates is the (laughs) 11th longest river in the world. Was
0: it the 11th or 17th?
1: Wait, it was 17th. I'm even giving her too much credit. Sorry, mom. It's the 17th (laughs) longest river. (laughs) My mom came to DC. It was great. Although we tried to do some of the like DC tourist things. We tried to do the Museum of Natural History twice and weren't able to. We went on a Saturday and I forgot that tourists come to this city and there was a line like around the block to get into the Natural History Museum. On Saturday. So we were like, whatever, she's here Mm. on Monday. We're going to go on Monday. PSA, folks. The Natural History Museum is closed on Mondays. Oh. Which we didn't find out until we were like on the metro on the way there. We were like... Let's look at what exhibits are there. And we were like, oh, JK.
0: That doesn't make any sense. Why is the National History Museum of, why is that closed on a Monday? I feel like that's prime operating time.
1: Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know why. A bunch of them are.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe it is isn't prime time because otherwise if they had traffic, they wouldn't close those days. Huh. Yep.
1: Anyways, all of this to say, I failed to bring my mom to the Natural History Museum, but we had a great time anyway.
0: <laughs> have you been to the uh, Museum of African American History?
1: No, no, I really want to. I've heard it's excellent, and I want to like devote a day to cuz like the other ones like the Natural History Museum is there. It's been there forever and it's free, so like I don't care. I'll pop in and out, but yeah, I've heard to like dedicate some time for that one.
0: Have you been? I have been. I have. Um but like only like maybe last year late last year or something maybe even early this year because uh, my sister and her husband came to visit i was frantically looking for ways to entertain both of them because if it were just my sister and not her husband i'd be like go figure your own shit out <laughs> i don't care but like i had to try so uh-huh. and of course i had never been so i was like okay let me go figure out so I, I did go ahead and i booked it it was actually free by the way it was free and i think i booked it for uh-huh. uh, i think a saturday it is a big museum it'll take you at least i think something like three or four hours to get through the whole thing i thought it was it was well done
1: no it'll be i'll i'll go and report back because i've been wanting to go for a long time
0: yeah but anyway i hope your mom enjoyed the rest of her visit though since she she didn't get to go to the (laughs) the national
1: history museum (laughs) (laughs) she did
0: so what have i been up to i was talking about watching that animated batman movie Mm -hmm. last week i forget what it's called i think um the halloween something something second The Halloween game, the second part two or something. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, if you listen to last week's episode, you can figure this out easily. But I didn't go back to watch the rest of it. (laughs) I just continued going through it. So I didn't go back. But also, one of the reasons why I didn't go back to, honestly, it's kind of almost intentional. That specific movie I couldn't watch on two times the speed. (laughs) I, I just, I can't. By the way, fun fact, did you know that... Some TV shows are actually sped up. So the original, what it's shot in frame for frame is slower than what's played on TV. And that's because it's a multiple of one X, maybe fractional multiple of one X that basically creates enough time for them to put a commercial or an ad in the frame of the TV series that's why they do that of course you're shaking your head in disappointment because of course that makes sense that it's of because of an ad that they're doing all of that but that's actually how they're able to fit in ads into some of these shows is because if it's recorded an old time and they didn't already plan the time for the ads in there mm-hmm. they just go in and like multiple of one x and try to fit ads in the places where there Ugh. was enough gap Ugh. yes so that's range for you listeners you're welcome but i did hang out with someone and in hanging, i was just sitting around in that their place and They were playing Gemini Man on their TV. It's not... I'm not at home, so I can't be like, play that shit on 2X. (laughs) But anyway, they they watched it at regular speed. And I was there anyway, so I watched it with them. And I don't like that. (laughs) I'm like, it was... It's, it's not a bad movie is, is what I'm trying to say. I get, I'm honestly a really, really strict critic. I don't feel like I let mm-hmm. anything go. If I see it, I pretty much will be like, that's why. The Gemini Man, I feel like was a money grab of a movie. And this happens with a lot of big name A-list actors. Mm-hmm. Is they'll act, 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 and they'll become really famous. And then I think for them to keep the money machine going, they'll make these movies that are very, very formulaic. Mm. And it like it paints them as like you know the, either the good guy at the end. It's you can you can pretty much tell like uh, Bruce Willis and the Die Hard movies, uh, 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 Equalizer with Denzel Washington. The, that series. I don't know if that makes sense. They'll get they'll get to the point where they're a big name and they just start making these Lake movies that they can keep appearing in. Every you know what I mean? It'd be like a five-parter like Die Hard is on its sixth one and (laughs) Vin Diesel and the Fast and Furious is the most notorious of this bullshit but I don't know if that makes sense all the movies just become formulaic after a certain time in their careers and I feel like this is what Will Smith is doing here
2: Mm.
0: it's pretty much him against himself spoiler alert I'm talking about the Gemini man by Will Smith yeah he's like a an old Army operative, the best in the game That's always how that goes They're always an old army operative who was the best in the game And of course there's this uh, gov- a Government program Where they can clone you If you're one of their best And they cloned him And they raised his clone And they told the clone that he was a bad guy After he retired and he didn't like the army anymore And then his clone comes to fight him And kill him But wait, he notices, oh my god That's just a younger version of me And then there's just like emotional co- it's so for me like, yeah. like even me describing it you're just like alright we know what this is yeah. um, so but the actual performance of Will Smith in the movie was not bad at all hmm. the dialogue I didn't love it but it wasn't completely rank so it wasn't objectively a bad movie but the concept of it I was like Ugh, we know what this is come on if you're gonna waste film or <laughs> what? Do you, well digital space At least make a movie that is good enough for me to care about it. This is kind of not. But the performance was okay, so I'm not going to knock it too much. The second thing I did, speaking of consuming pop culture range... I also watched a movie on Netflix. I think it's probably one of the... It was rated highly. I think it had like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes and it had like something like 70-something on Metacritic or something. The name of the movie is A Monster Calls and it's featuring Liam Neeson and some, I think, Sigourney Weaver. Hmm. The movie, spoiler alert, I'm talking about A Monster Calls on Netflix. It's a movie about a kid whose mother is dying of cancer and it features some very good acting.
2: Hmm.
0: Because the different emotional nuance of the... Characters towards experiencing someone dying of cancer, the actors played that very well. Mm. So the kid's mother is dying of cancer. His character development arc is something like he loves his mother, he's terrified she's dying. He doesn't want her to die, and he keeps hoping and praying that every single treatment they give her works, but it doesn't. And then he has his hopes all built up again because his mother's also building up his hopes. hopes the next treatment is going to work. The next one's going to work. And then when it becomes apparent that any none of these treatments will work, the kid has the final wish of She's in too much pain, I wish she would just die. Yeah. And that was acted very well by the kid. Mm. And of course, the monster who comes along, it's an interesting twist on this story, like, the mother's an artist, the son is taking up art from his mom, and all the drawings she watched him do or taught him how to do when he was younger became the characters that help him, in his head, unpack his own emotions. And the monster in The Monster Calls is one of those characters. It's this big tree monster that comes in and tells him all these stories about like the difference nuance in human behavior and expectations and stuff like that. I thought that was really well done. So the monster is voiced by Liam Neeson and when Liam Neeson voices anything, I live. Hmm. What I'm saying is the movie was good because the nuance of the character development of every single character was not neglected and they hired good enough actors to capture that nuance. That's why I like that movie. The third movie I watched, however, I won't even talk about it. I saw Suicide Squad Part 2. Trash. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> Thank you for telling me because I had a, I'm had going on like a long train ride tomorrow and I had it downloaded on my tablet to potentially watch it. I will delete it.
0: <laughs> if you want to verify how bad it is, go ahead and watch it. <laughs> Okay, now I will complain about this. You know this bullshit that people do now? This stuff really fucking annoys me. They'll take a movie concept that's been done, 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 done to death. Yep. And they will slap over it some social commentary.
2: Oh, no. Say, for
0: instance, they'll take Ghostbusters and they'll say, Women power. We're going to put women in it. We're not going to change anything else. The story's not going to be interesting. We're not going to make it artistically brilliant. But women. Women. And then everybody goes to see it because, you know, women. Yeah. Yes, make it about women. But you know what you should also do? Make it good. Yeah. Make it actually good. They did the same thing with Oceans 8. Yeah. I was like, yes, women, I've been waiting for this. Wonderful. Was it good? Mm, I'll give it a 60%. Yeah, so stuff like that, I'm like, yes, women, but can we make it good, please? Because then it just feels very patronizing. Yes. So... On today's episode, we'll be discussing religion. I feel like I'm about to get canceled on this episode.
1: <laughs> I'm just tempting fate. I know. <laughs> Literally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess well, I'll just shoot the very first question. Were you raised religious? I think I know the answer to this, but like...
1: I was. I was raised Catholic. Yep, pretty much my whole life. I did all the... Rituals. It's a very ritualistic religion. So I did like the the first communion where you have to like, that's the first like rite of passage where you have to, it's a huge deal. I don't know if you were, if you've been involved with the Catholic church at all.
0: By, by proxy. Yeah.
1: No, they start you out early. At like six years old, you do first communion, which is like, it gives you the right to get the mm-hmm. little cracker in church or whatever. Um, And it's like a whole thing. You have to memorize all of these prayers. You have to like memorize, the rosary beads you and you get like and then it's a whole thing where you like have to go in and like recite all the prayers and like pass and then you have like a whole outfit there's like very traditional like first communion dresses there's like a photo it's a whole it's a whole thing and so like that's something that happens very early in being raised in catholicism i guess even earlier not that i remember as being baptized but yeah catholicism is Ah, like very (laughs) geared towards like Sort of rituals, rites of passage, and like looping people in from a very young age. It's interesting. I am very much elapsed Catholic now, but when I I was raised, <laughs> Not a lapsed Catholic, uh, very much elapsed. But yeah, we went to church every Sunday. We like went to Sunday school where they like you know taught us extra on top of church. We went to like church functions you know dinners yeah. charity things yeah. so it was like very much a community we were a part of we weren't we weren't the uh, yeah. christmas and easter catholics <laughs> but so my mom is the one who was catholic and who raised us catholic my dad is like i think on paper baptist
0: on paper (laughs) (laughs) i was raised very religious i've gone through all the quote unquote non-denominational protestant i've gone to any non-catholic christian church you can think of Hmm. the methodist the baptist not lutheran because like we didn't have those they weren't as popular but we all of them i've been to all of them every single one there's just some there's something in my country called <laughs> celestial church of christ it's like a white garment church i don't know if hmm. crazy ritualistic crazy, mm. crazy crazy we've done that too there, there are some experiences that i i thought were um entertaining and i didn't mind going but for the most part like i'm glad i'm not obligated to go as often anymore. And of course, every Sunday, every every single Sunday. The boarding school that I went, first of all, I went to several boarding schools. Like So I was in boarding school and it was a very Christian boarding school. I think it was not owned, affiliated with this mm-hmm. mega church, Deeper Life. Every single Sunday, we would all go to church and we had, we had a, a school uniform you'd wear to school for academic things. You had a house uniform that you had to wear because I stayed in the hostels, like the dorms. It was like a green and white grid checker on the shirt and just green pants. And everybody wore the same thing. You weren't allowed to wear anything else. If you showed up and you were in the hostel and you were wearing your actual academic school uniform, somebody would clock you for it. Like there'd Uh. be a housemaster like, you can't wear that. You have to change. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, because if you were coming in from campus, your expectation is you'd walk in, you'd change, and before you did anything else, you would be in the right uniform to do it. Oh, wow and on sundays there was a whole different uniform it was all white white top white bottom and then you had to wear specifically brown leather shoes my dear (laughs) this boarding school just really i it explains a lot about who i am (laughs) who i am the way i am but um yeah three different uniforms and of course on sunday morning if you showed up in anything that was not completely all white you were in trouble and every Sunday, without fail, church. And even on school days, they you know how people like line up for assembly in front of their schools every morning? Mm-hmm. The assembly before our academic instruction started, we had a sermon. You'd be standing out there for 45 minutes in the blistering sun oh, no. and there'd be a sermon. Yeah. No. Like they, it was indoctrination through and through.
1: So like I was definitely raised, I mean, I was raised Catholic as a kid, but there were also all these like specific church things I did targeted at teenagers. I don't know if you had that like youth groups and like mm-hmm. I read this series of novels. I don't know if anyone <laughs> throwback the left, left behind, behind novels. yes For those who haven't had the pleasure of reading the Left Behind novels. They're about when the rapture happens and all of the good Christians get called back to heaven. And it's about the people who get Left Behind.
0: (laughs) I hate that we had such similar...
1: (laughs) I hate it. Also, all I can think of is Catholicism is so... I mean, it's all so very... But when you said you've been to every Christian religion except Catholicism, all I can think about is what they taught me in Sunday school, which is none of those are real Christianity... And they're going to hell anyway. So, turns out you're wasting your time. See,
0: <laughs> the Methodist church my aunt used to go to was a fashion parade. And that shit took like five hours.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it literally
0: was a fashion parade. Like, y- you, if you came late, you wouldn't see the pulpit.
2: <laughs>
0: Hats were in fashion in the mid-90s. Hats. Hats. Mm. Those big
2: hats, yep. and of course
0: the Nigerian head ties. You wouldn't see the pee, uh, the, the pulpit from the pew. There'd be all these <laughs> fantastic fascinators and hats. That you would not be able to see past two feet. Every and it was like a rainbow color. It was beautiful to watch, though I won't lie. And then we had like after church bazaars and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. people just eat and chill and hang out. It was very very high society type thing. And after the <laughs> six hours was done, people still want to sit around and hang out.
1: Oh my! Like God. I've had
0: enough. <laughs> I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Yeah.
1: Luckily, our masses were not that long, but it was like mom wanted to stay so long after everyone. My sister and I were like, "Can we please?" Like Catholics, like don't believe in comfort either. Maybe this is true of the churches you've been to, but like, why can't they have comfortable pews? Why do they have to be like terrible hard wood? Why can't they put a cushion on that? Yes. <laughs>
0: why couldn't they put a? Cushion on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you no, know, I feel you on that. Hundred percent. I think Catholics do. It's like it's very much soaked in pain and stain yeah. type thing. I don't love it. I Ugh. just don't love it. The hard pews are just. I don't think they're relegated only because the Methodist churches that I've been to, the Baptist churches that I've been to, hard, 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 hard. The chairs are hard. The the pews are very uncomfortable. If you stand, first of all, if you stand right, you know the pews that have like the Bible and the hymn book. In the mm-hmm. back. First of all, I hit that, that hymn book though. That <laughs> hymn book. I mean, I don't know if you, did you guys have a hymn book in a Catholic church?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I wonder if they still do that, or if you have to download an app on your phone these days and, and But anyway, <laughs> we had that hymn book. That hymn mm-hmm. book was beautiful to look at. It was so beautiful, Ooh. and you'd open it because you know it like they had the leather bound front. Oh my god, you didn't have those bougie ass, not bougie ass. Those very well crafted hymn books.
1: No, ours looked like they had been through like the war. They'd been there forever. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah some of them some of them in church look like you can tell which ones had like been in rotation for a really long time but yeah i I know what you mean those hymn books were leather bound on both sides Mm. and it wasn't cheap leather either and the the pages were of that really thin fine paper and they'd Mm. that side was i think spray painted in really elegant gold Mm. so the side of the hymn books looked like gold bricks It was beautiful, it was so beautiful. What I was getting at is those pews when you stand up, for average height people, or actually, the taller you are the worse it is. The pews are so close to the ground that even if you stood up, you couldn't rest your elbows on them because it was too short to rest your elbows on. Mm -hmm. And it was this very awkward height. And even when you sat down, the height was a little, it, it was too high for it to make sense when you sat down, but it was too short when you stood up for it to make sense. It was just all around very useless and uncomfortable. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, who built this? I feel like all of those choices were intense though. No but who knows?
1: They must have been because so many of them are so beautiful and the like beautiful stained glass and the high ceilings and then these uncomfortable ass benches. Why?
0: Yep. I, it's on purpose. I feel like it, you are it, right. It like, must
1: be on purpose.
0: But still, even then, I, I used to fall asleep in those chairs as uncomfortable as they were. Mm-hmm. I, I would assume that the whole point of the design is to make sure you didn't fall asleep in church, but I mm-hmm. would still be out cold. <laughs> Some, church, some some churches I wouldn't fall asleep in because they, there'd be so much going on. Have you ever been to a church where people routinely caught the Holy Ghost?
1: No, <laughs> I haven't.
0: It is the most fascinating phenomenon ever. It's just the sermon is going on. It's very quiet and peaceful. And somebody just has one of those shriek convulsions. Rah, uh, and they get up <laughs> and they start just shaking. And I... <laughs> And it just becomes this and then once one person starts it off, it's like a wildfire. It just somebody (laughs) else just gets up. (laughs) They're convulsing on the floor. They're doing the most. It's just pandemonium. It's that experience is obviously mental illness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making light of mental illness or anything, but like why? What prompted that behavior? And but I guess it's a safe space. That's why people feel just nice enough to just you can't sleep through that church it's impossible there's too much going on around you and of course we had like holy water like i'm sure catholic churches had this too like they'd be like a bit a tub of holy water back there that was blessed and that holy water i still remember how it smells Hmm. there are some fragrances that i smell these days and i'm like this is holy water (laughs) It, it like i don't know do you does that make sense though You are a Catholic church. Do like? Do you ever remember anything about holy water?
1: I remember holy water, and like it was always there, and you had to like dip your hand and do the like sign of the cross. It didn't smell like anything. Having a scent, no.
0: Maybe in the U.S., you guys didn't have the same thing we did. (laughs) We
1: had great value holy water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It smelled like ocean water.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: mixed with um, very, like, salty, clear, what, salty blue ocean water that has, like, a hint of, mm. I, I don't want to say lavender. It's not lavender, um, but something, something like, m- minty something. It, but it wasn't lavender. It was something else that smelled really fresh. Mm. And that water just, there are fragrances that I smell now, and I'm like, this reminds me of holy water. Okay. They'd sprinkle the whole holy water on the people who caught the Holy Ghost, and it would just be this whole, produ- it was lit. It was yeah. I can't lie it was lit. I, I just
1: I would definitely take that over a Catholic service where you're just like singing monotone in Latin. Oh no
0: oh. that is boring. Sorry. <laughs> the Baptist churches not the ones in my country. the ones in the US that music slaps.
1: Did you ever like help out with the uh, like the church services? like were you involved at all that way? Like I was a they called it an altar server uh, in the Catholic Church. Where, like, Mm -hmm. I had to. This was what happened to you in Catholic Church when you were like 10, 11. Uh, This is how they roped you in. You, like, helped the priest. You, like, carried stuff around and wore, like, a little white robe and everything. But I got out of it because I fainted twice during services. (laughs) And Uh, I didn't get out of it the first time because I fainted while I was, like, kneeling. <laughs> it was just, like, really hot under the lights and in the, like, gown and everything. But the first time, I was, like, near the side of the stage and was, like, kneeling and just sort of keeled over, and the choir ladies just, like, dragged me into the back. <laughs> <And>
2: <laughs> <noticed>. <laughs>
1: but the second time I fainted, I was, like, right up at the altar holding something for the priest and just, like, straight back, like, <laughs> like, just disrupted the that's whole scary. thing
0: <laughs> i'm so sorry
1: oh god honestly so <sighs> worth it I, being an altar server was the worst
0: <laughs> so why why do you think people conflate their religious beliefs with ethics and morals
1: that's a good question and i need to try and like take a step back and not give a very cynical answer because it it frustrates me to think about because the sort of consequence of that is that they feel like people who are not religious are not ethical or moral. Right. Which is just... (laughs) There are plenty of religious people who are not ethical or moral, and there are plenty of non-religious people who are ethical and moral. It's not, like, as you said, people conflate it. It's absolutely not the same thing. I mean, I think most religions do have, like, an ethical code at their core. So I guess people just, like, feel comfortable, like, adopting that and being in a community that follows the same sort of code, at least on paper. But I don't know. Part of it frustrates me is, like, I like, separately from a religion have actually, like, thought a lot about, like, what do I feel like is ethical? What do I feel like is moral? I feel like you don't necessarily do that if you just sort of accept an ethical code of a religion, which is not, you know, anyone who tries to live ethically, like I absolutely support that, wherever they came from with that, like I'm, n- I'm never gonna like discourage that, but it frustrates me when people think that the only way I could have come about an ethical code is through a religion.
0: I ask that question as if I have a better answer, I don't. <laughs> but on the heels of what you were saying is, People who are religious, who have accepted the moral and ethical tenets of that religion, even if someone else who's not in that religion has a slightly different version of those ethical tenets and morals, they think that other person is wrong simply because they didn't get it from their religion. Mm Mm-hmm. And that also just causes like all sorts of things. Yeah, I don't have a really good answer, but I I know that it does happen often. And I just I would like to caution people like being a good person is not dependent on religion. And I think it is on everybody. The onus is on everybody to be a better person with or I mean, if you have it with religion, that's great. But I think even without it, people are capable and should still pursue that. Why do you think parents insist on raising their children in the religion that they grew up with? Or the one that they hold dearly, I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack. Like, I feel like the answer on the surface is pretty simple, but I feel like there's a lot that goes into it. Um, So, like, my mom actually was not raised Catholic. She was raised, I believe it was Baptist, and she did not feel Mm. very welcomed in the churches she grew up in. Um, And she later in her life converted to Catholicism and just found it to be a really, like, a community where she felt she had a place and she really enjoyed all of the sort of, like, ritualistic parts of it and feeling like, you know, that sort of certainty and that rhythm of the, anyway, she got a lot out of Catholicism that she didn't get from, like, Baptist church when she was younger, so... I don't know. Slightly different motivations I guess than someone who just grew up in it, but I think I think it's really similar that people want their children to be good people in general and they want them to have a community and they want them to, you know, I'm giving people too much credit here. I'm I'm saying the idealized version of this. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'll keep with the idealized version cuz I've been negative enough. I think people <laughs> Some reasons why people might want to raise their kids in their religion are things like wanting the child to be a good person, wanting them to, like, think about, like, ethical and moral codes, wanting them to be part of a community. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of not good reasons, too. <laughs> it feels like brainwashing when it starts so young. That's that's the real thing, is, like, I... Uh, like, as a child, you don't have sort of the the experience to unpack all of the, all of what goes into the religion and everything. And it, it's not a personal choice. Like, I feel like, to me, religion feels like it should be a personal thing. Like, it's how you're choosing to live your life. So if it's something you're just, like, indoctrinated with as a child, like, and you're not exposed to other Religions or other things in the world like I don't love it
0: I don't and I don't know what anybody's one motivation is to raise their kids in the same religion that they hold dearly But I do know that some of the times the answer is just as simple as it's what they know Yeah, so they pass it on but in them doing that it is exactly what you said It is indoctrination simply for the fact that the kid is dependent on you they learn pretty much most of their stuff from you so whatever bias you have by this means, you will pass it on to them. Mm-hmm. It is indoctrination. And the other thing, is you mentioned, which I think is key to that, is they may not have their kids be exposed equally to all the other religions. Because if the issue is, I would, I would just do the thing where I, I try to, you know, be as, not on the fence, but as, you know, Sweden or Poland as possible, where I just stay out of the mess. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? No religion for you. No, zero. Even if I believe strongly in that, I'm like no, because I want you to grow up and then you go find your way to figure out the religion that that should uh, you connect with the best. Yeah. So I leave I leave that up to you, but what I should do as a better parent is intellectually and educationally speaking, teach them about all the religions in a very mm-hmm. like systematic and very detailed way where I'm like, this is what these set of people believe. These are these are the, the parts that... Some of my bias is going to show through there too, because I'm like, these are the parts that I specifically don't agree with. I think mm-hmm. this is fucking trash. But... You know this is what they believe this is why they believe it and if i don't know i'm like this one religion i don't know much about i won't be able to teach you much right about it but i still recommend that you at least go and learn intellectually about these things so that way the kid is well-rounded if and if any one of those religions truly speaks to them and they find their calling in that religion or whatever then up to them however <laughs> i would still have a problem with it if i raise you and you end up being a religious person you missed the whole point yeah <laughs> the whole point you missed it religion requires some very base level of blind faith and that blind faith leads to willful ignorance and for you to continue in this religion and hold it so dearly you are completely willing to ignore reason for most of the part and also you have given up your own thinking if you just take this blind faith as the base what positive things can be credited to religion um, I feel like this is probably the biggest one that I've seen is that it gives people comfort. Like, because, you know, life is scary. There's a whole bunch of uncertainty and the unknown, especially what happens before life and after life, we don't have a good way to explain most of that. Religion kind of gives comfort in that because people are not comfortable with just not knowing. Right. The whole point of being alive on this planet, biologically speaking, the whole point of life is to sort uh, perpetuate. Mm-hmm. We exist just so we can continue to exist. There is no other big or profound reason for it. So that being said, your place in life while you're here is to contribute something to your species to make sure or at least help in the continuation of life in your species
1: historically it was like a way to sort of organize people like a lot of things like kosher eating i'm pretty sure were like ways of keeping people like healthy and reducing risks so it was like all it was a tool for like helping people even practically speaking live better lives and stay safe and healthy and all of that yes historically it had a good function
0: i'm going to say something very controversial here which you've alluded to and if i get canceled so be it a lot of people think religion came about as an answer to existential dread or to address the unknown i would argue that's not the reason you know we're not here to find out who god is That's not the point of religion. Religion was literally established as the pinnacle of what government is. The current way we have government, the Republic of the United States, the Democratic Republic, it's pretty much one where the Constitution, either depending on your behavior, rewards you or punishes you. It's a way to control human behavior to best serve any one purpose of, you know, keeping the most number of people safe, doing this, whatever it is, right? But... You understand how the feedback or reinforcement of the behavior is external. Either the government punishes you for not paying your taxes, or you get tax rebate for paying your taxes. It's outside of you. Some other th- entity is, I, or if you commit a crime and they send you to jail, whatever. Some other person is doing that to force your behavior. With religion, it's a perfect construct. You do it to yourself. You govern yourself Mm -hmm. because if your belief system is there is this sky daddy who is going (laughs) to do X to you if you are bad in your head, you already justify, you know, like the the fear of eternal damnation will force you to not kill your neighbor, even if your neighbor is a complete asshole Mm -hmm. before, you know, that kind of, if you're already indoctrinated Mm -hmm. with it, it influences your behavior for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. if you're indoctrinating it, it's just a very good way of government it's really good yeah people self-govern with religion that's the whole point of the indoctrination you don't have to hire yeah. 500 bodyguards to protect every citizen so nobody kills anybody else you don't have to hire a prison warden you don't have to spend money on uh, uh, you know rehabilitation programs because people just self govern with the indoctrination that they're given it works very well um but the problem is the indoctrination. <laughs> I guess we then have to talk about the flip side of it. What are the potential pitfalls of religion? (laughs) I don't think religion itself is problematic, like I've just said. Some good things could come out of it, but I think religion itself is a human construct. Whether or not, if you wanna fight me about this, catch me in the comment section. Like, (laughs) I don't, it is a human construct. If somebody said, oh, God spoke to me and they recorded what God said to them, okay? God didn't write it himself. Your thinking and your writing are middle steps for the thing that's... You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So whatever God said is filtered through your understanding. And then by definition, whatever it is, this religious thing that comes out of it is a human construct. God told a human and the human wrote it. Mm -hmm. So whatever God said is filtered through the understanding of this human. Yeah. So it's a human construct. All of it is a human construct. And because it is a human construct, it is subject to human bias and prejudice. So the results. Is that there is deeply problematic bigotry? yes, only because it's a human construct and there's bias there so and, and that's the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, this is one of the big pitfalls of religion. and that bigotry w- what compounds it is the fact that whatever the established religion is, it's indoctrinated to everybody en mass like yeah. everybody's indoctrinated with it. so this so if there's one pastor and there's they're a pastor of like a congregation of a thousand people, if they, indoctrinate whatever it is that their bias is to a thousand people that's a lot of people Mm -hmm. and if whatever that indoctrination is is very problematic do you know how hard it is to scrub a thousand people of that oh my god and those thousand people have families children that they've brought now into the thing and given them like it just it creates this huge population of people with this exact bias that has been propagated over over and over and over and over and over again Yep. Now we can't scrub it. That's what Christianity has done, by the way. Yeah. That bias has spread.
1: No, it's like a perfect machine for just like perpetuating those views. And I mean, the, the most obvious example being how the church villainizes queer people like it there's like one line in a really random chapter where that also says like you shouldn't get tattoos and like in the bible where like it mentions like yeah <laughs> i thought it was leviticus but it's probably it's probably more than one what really gets me is that these biases get perpetuated and a lot of them are like antithetical to what that religion is on paper like all, like the literal like one liner of christianity is supposed to be like love everyone like love your neighbor a- and yet like, so many Christian churches just perpetuate this hatefulness towards so many groups. It, it just like, it it's it, its amazing the things that get like, I mean, like you said, the, the starting texts already are like things that are usually filtered through, through people and through history and through translations and all of these things. And then, but then also things get perpetuated in these churches that aren't even necessarily a part of those teachings, which honestly, a lot of times are like Jesus, like just Jesus, like as a dude, like had some pretty great, ideas like he was very much just about like treating people well and like trying to make society a little more equitable like i can get on board with a lot of like the stuff that jesus theoretically (laughs) said although like the gospels contradict (laughs) each other like the (laughs) like the the different accounts of what jesus did in that book all contradict that book being the bible (laughs) That book. <laughs> that book. That book. That <laughs> book. That book. Yeah.
0: You just touched on it. The translation. First of all, that Leviticus eighteen twelve. I so from what I understand about it, right? When King James came into power, he was like, We need to centralize this Bible situation. The central one we had before, you don't love it so much. Because some parts of that actually questioned his authority and power. And he was like, No, I want more. Because you know he was the king, the Catholic Church was there, so he really so he wanted to just shift more power to his plate, and the perfect tool to do it was to commission a whole new copy of the Bible, the KJV that was really that's been popular since then, actually, the mm-hmm. version that everything else is based off of. A lot of that was a polit- a political play. Mm-hmm. He had it commissioned to pretty much yep. say things that would benefit his kingdom. yeah. so that Leviticus 1812 did not show up until the King James Version oh it wasn't there before that the original not. text that they took that from did not have it that way yeah so you then go back and think what the fuck a lot of it is and also the bible that bible actually the king james version technically is not the same version that old catholic churches use there are mm. like books that were just chopped off oh there's so many of them actually <laughs> There's so many of them. What books were released from the King James Bible? Yeah, he was just chopping things off. The Estrus, the Book of Tobit, the Book of Judith. Uh, There's also something called the Book of Wisdom. I didn't even know that one. Um, Ecclesiasticus, which is not Ecclesiastes. That one is also missing. The Book of Baruch, the Book of Susanna, and First and Second Maccabees. He's just taking chunks out of it because it didn't benefit him. So he was like, we don't need that.
1: Imagine being a politician so influential that you're still fucking people over with your political views hundreds of years later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> whatever the Sky Daddy says goes. But the person who's the mouthpiece <laughs> of the Sky Daddy can edit whatever Sky Daddy actually said. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my issue with it. Organized religions tend to vilify opposing beliefs. Mm-hmm and i don't i don't like that yeah because it's part of the indoctrination right um you just oppose it not because you think they're wrong but because you know if whatever they said even if it's marginally related to yours if theirs is more right than yours they undo the indoctrination that you've given to everybody and you want that indoctrination to still, so you just like, no, we can't, we can't have any questioning here because that'll undo the whole, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if your indoctrination is that fragile to opposing beliefs, uh...
1: yeah, it is, it really is. Because I, I hear that from so many people who were raised in the church that they like start asking questions. They like find one thread they like f- that you can pull, and it it just all starts coming apart. And so people like questions just get shut down and, yeah, it's interesting even like like other religions like that are on paper like very similar and live by very similar principles. Like Catholicism saying that all other Christians are going to hell. Like, on, like I don't consider myself a religious person anymore, but like I would think that even if you don't totally agree with them, you would like feel happy to see people trying to live good lives and trying to like honor some higher power.
0: The Bible according to Christianity claims that God is a kind, benevolent, good God. Mm-hmm. And you've heard this argument in almost every movie that talks about morals or ethics. But then there's condemnation of people who don't believe in him. Mm-hmm. If God was truly kind and benevolent, he would not send people in hell just for believing in him. That sounds like a narcissistic thing. N- your, your head starts to spin. That comfort that you got from that religion is now gone. So now you have to just figure out a way to rewire your brain to be uncom- to be comfortable with uncertainty, and that yeah. is so scary it's much easier to just not tug at that thread mm-hmm. which which is why now as an older person, when I was slightly younger, I used to just i would if I found a religious person i I wouldn't attack them or anything, but when they would try to sell their religion to me, I would then start asking them questions just to keep poking holes in their own belief system and only now have i realized how cruel that is Hmm. if i no longer believe in it and they're trying to sell it to me i should just say no thank you and move on because me doing that to them and taking the carpet right from under them just pulling it right out then they feel very lost i just i've just taken away their the comfort that their whole life is based on Mm -hmm. and i'm realizing now that that's such a cruel thing to do so if i if i must do it i try to do it in the most kind way possible you're gonna set them on a path of like starting to question everything Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't i don't want to be responsible for that if that makes sense but anyway Mm -hmm. yeah i don't understand why prayer is a part of most religions
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Meditation, I can understand meditation, which some people have said that prayer is more like meditation. But the way prayer was taught to us in the Christianity religion that I was exposed to, logically doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess the whole construct of religion being blind faith does not make (laughs) logical sense either.
1: I don't really know. I've never really thought about it. But it's also interesting because prayer, I think in some form, is in almost every religion, but it can look so different. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you've ever... Do you know? You probably know. But for our listeners, if you don't know, like, uh, the rosary, like, necklace with all the beads and the cross, like, it's actually not just a decorative thing. Like, each different bead is a specific prayer you're supposed (laughs) to say. And you, like, go around the necklace and, like, say the specific prayer as you touch the bead and you, like, make your way around the necklace. So, like, things like that, yeah. I can see being sort of meditative and... But
0: when I said prayer, if you talk about meditation, I get that. And, again, the meditation, the way it's popular, I guess, in the U.S., I also have a problem with. They're like, some, somebody would say stuff like, steal your thoughts focus on being present i'm like okay shut the fuck up because sorry 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 if people meditate like that i'm gonna let you enjoy it for a second but hear me out hear me out here it's like somebody telling you when you're fussy calm down it doesn't work so i can't sit there and steal my mind some some part of meditation i believe is sitting when you're you have to sit with your thoughts and think through all your thoughts to the very final stage yeah and then be comfortable with the answer that you've arrived at. Yeah. Because most people don't do that. Most people, like, they, they have a thought that they shun it away. They don't think it all the way through. And I think the whole point of meditation is for you to be a very thoughtful person. Think about, sit and actually sit with your thoughts. Don't numb them and push them away and have a blank mind. No, you have to sit there. That's, a, that's what I think meditation is. And if somebody says that's mm-hmm. what prayer is, all right, I can feel that. But the way prayer is taught, they say you're communicating with Sky Daddy. <laughs> tell him all your heart's desires and tell him all the thoughts. And people just say, take that to mean, Sky Daddy, I want a $10,000 pay increase. Yeah. <laughs> I want a brand new watch. I want the iPhone 12. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and pe- people actually take this to mean something. And then yeah. when they don't get that iPhone, they're like, God, I Asked you for the iPhone last month. Why don't I have it yet? (laughs) And I'm sitting there like, you know what's even worse? They will pray to God for that iPhone. They will get an iPhone. They'll come back the next week and say, "Testimony, everybody, pray to God for an iPhone next week." Guess last week, this week. Guess what? I have Uh an iPhone. (laughs) And I'm yeah. just like, this is very misleading because everybody else is going to show up here and be like, God, I need a new iPhone. And then they'll get so much more disappointed when they don't get it. Yeah. Because the fact is, the person who got the iPhone, maybe they were just wealthy, or maybe by dumb luck, which is not equal to the answer to your prayers, by the way. Maybe they wanted an iPhone, and some relative who is, you know, three places removed happened to have had an iPhone from last year that they were just upgrading or whatever. And they're like, Oh, here you go. And they're like, God did it. I'm like, no, my dear. Like that was just coincidence. If we have to call it anything like, no, but what if God is coincidence? Nah. I'm like, okay. All right. All right. But, um, what I was also going to say is because people then expect stuff like that, it's kind of like, People will rush to religion. Be like, that person that was religious... And then, like, everybody starts going to church to start praying for all the stuff. And then what's worse is the pastors start to take advantage of people who come there because they're praying to God for prosperity. Mm. They're like, oh, the reason why you're not prospering, even though you've been praying, is because you didn't pay your tithes and offerings. You should mm-hmm. pay your tithes and yeah. offerings and God will answer your prayer. Do you see how that works?
1: I think it's one of the tools that makes... Like, that gives people a lot of comfort in, like, dealing with existential dread and the uncertain and, like, feeling powerless. Like, I know, I mean, my family knows I'm not religious anymore, but, you know, they'll be like, oh, such and such's sister is sick with something, like, pray for her. And it's like, you know, you feel powerless, like, this person is sick, there's nothing you can do to help. So, like, it's just a way of, like, feeling... Like you can take some control and have some positive impact over your life. Um, although, also, I think <laughs> I always think with prayer of my uh, my dear mother in law. Uh, first off, it's hilarious because she'll pray to Saint Anthony all the time, and that cracks me up about the Catholics because it's like <laughs> there's one God, don't <laughs> worship any false gods, but they'll pray to the saints. They got like all these saints, and they will pray to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or is it? Is it St. Anthony? Yeah. So St. Anthony is like the saint of lost things, which is supposed to be a lot more like philosophical, but she'll be like, St. Anthony, I lost my sunglasses in the ocean. Help me. (laughs) That's hilarious.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, my (sighs) God. Yeah. (laughs) She
1: found those sunglasses, too. So (laughs) you'll never hear the end of it. That was St. Anthony.
0: (laughs) St. Anthony did it. So I guess one of the last things is the evolution versus creationist argument in schools. The evolution theory is a theory. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much backed up with evidence that suggests X.
1: Evolution is a theory. And the way you, like deal with theories as you keep gathering evidence and see if it supports it or doesn't and like so call creationism a theory okay you put out your theory is there evidence to support it no is there evidence (laughs) that disproves it yes Yes. so like (laughs) there have been plenty of people throughout history who have come up with wrong theories for them and we don't have to teach all the wrong theories in school so like but I, i agree with it it'd be good to like get exposure to a lot of religions but i hate i just hate that creationism is like taught as if it's yeah like sort of an equal counterpart to evolution when exactly it's just just not (laughs) there isn't nearly as
0: much information to any and you know the funny thing that really gets me about that creationist is very um patriarchal Mm. and it already starts teaching a whole bunch of that mess
1: yeah you
0: know women were made from the rib of adam adam came from no 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 Sorry to break it to you. If you believe very specifically in creationism as the Christian religion has taught it, you have Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. Intest. Yeah. Period. And also, Cain and Abel, did they have a sister? Yeah. <laughs> for them to have kids, who were they fucking?
1: Like, right. I do have one more question for you before we finish up, just because I'm curious. I mean, from context of the episode, I'm guessing you would not consider yourself religious, but do you consider yourself an atheist or are you like spiritual in any way?
0: I'm not. Are you spiritual, religious, any of the above?
1: <laughs> Atheism doesn't really like sit super comfy with me atheism as its sort of practice it just feels very like human centric mm-hmm. and like we are sort of the biggest it gets yeah. and so i a spiritual may not even be the right word but i use it because it's convenient but i sort of leave room in my own view for like some uncertainty that The phrase higher power makes it sound like organized religion. But I just sort of leave room in my worldview for the fact that there might be things larger than humans that like forces larger than us that we don't understand that could influence our lives, our world. Like, I don't think, you know, someone's up there like giving us iPhones, but I just think of like, (laughs) like, (laughs) I think of like how humans like can have impacts on like other conscious beings like other animals that those animals don't necessarily understand and we can even have an impact on like atoms like we can have impacts on things at very different scales and we also keep discovering things like larger and smaller than us like we keep being able to break the universe down into like understand smaller and smaller pieces of it and understand like bigger and bigger pieces of it so when i say spiritual it's more just like I think there's a lot more to the world and the universe than we know about so I I like I sort of like I don't know. That mystery makes me sort of like hopeful and open-minded, and just like I guess that's what I would define my own spirituality as.
0: <laughs> I understand what you're saying, and I I would be very pompous to just. I understand like the definition of atheism as it is really is very much human-centric, mm-hmm. but at the risk of being accused of being spiritual, I would take atheism. For <laughs> but uh, in the same in the in in, in exactly what you've said, right? Us being here is so. Say for instance, the whole concept of the science and technology that humans have we believe it came well some people believe it came from sumerians who were mm. you would call them like superhumans or like aliens in human form they, they pretty much came and gifted us a whole bunch of stuff that we have you know used to build our own infrastructure to, and that's what people believe right and i think that it's a matter of not perpetual but repe- repeating scale mm. so People who know more than, so say for instance, there's this episode of Rick and Morty that I always think of when I think of this concept. It's very stupid, but like, it's this whole idea of what we create, creating things that then create things and then create things. Which means your place in the universe is not sure because you don't know if something more complex than you created you. But Mm -hmm. we know as humans, we make robots. So we create robots. Now, if a robot becomes sentient and then makes even smaller or less advanced robots, that cycle can keep going, Mm. right? And which is what you're saying, right? The whole mystery of whether or not something more complex than us. But it gives me comfort to know that whatever that thing that's more complex than us, if that thing really did, in fact, create us, it could mean that there's a chance that something created that thing. Mm -hmm. And nothing is absolute. Yeah, and whatever we create can go on to create so many more things. So, I do leave room in my thinking for that.
1: Just to end on an uh, a bit of irony that makes me laugh. <laughs> so my mom is Catholic, and she and like some of her sisters did like a family history. And in this town in England, there's in like the town square, a little sort of monument. Uh, to one of my ancestors who was burnt at the stake for refusing to convert to Catholicism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
2: God, I'm laughing. (laughs) First of all, all.
0: (laughs) that shit is wild. Killing people for not accepting a belief system so that concludes our episode on religion
1: thanks everybody for joining us you can find us on twitter instagram and tiktok at big empty purse tweet us message us cancel us for something we said about religion in this episode (laughs)
0: we tried our best to not get canceled guys so we did nice to us on next week's episode (laughs) we'll be talking about it's actually to be determined you should show up next week we'll be here and we'll definitely let you know then until next time peace